Canucks Central Monday. It's Stan Richo, Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. This hour of Canucks Central brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. We're in the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? So a Canucks game day here. They've got the New York Rangers, a heavyweight tilt near the top of the NHL standings, and the Canucks coming off what was a very uh, convincing performance Sat on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was one of their – Best performances of the season, I'd say, in terms of energy, yeah. how relentless they were, shift to shift. And outside of maybe a few uh, shots that the goalie should have saved, and outside of maybe a couple of minor mistakes here and there, a pretty clean game despite giving up four goals. It's uh, it's funny. It would have been... <laughs> Uh, I'm sure hockey Twitter would have had fun with the Canucks getting PDO'd for once instead of uh, them doing the PDOing to yeah. an opponent. But they played really well. And, you know, the lotto line gets reunited. We'll get into some of those storylines. It was uh, impressive to see what they did. But we'll get to that as the pregame begins. What is dominating the NHL conversations today is the William Nylander contract. Mm hmm. Eight years, $92 million from the Toronto Maple Leafs. A ton of signing bonus, which um, in case you haven't noticed with other Maple Leafs contracts, they've done that for pretty much all of their star players. So it's not out of the norm that these guys are getting pretty much all of their money in signing bonus. Same for William Nylander. No move clause. More than David Posternock, at least on the average annual value. Similar when you think of percentage of the cap and where it's going to be when next summer begins. So, William Nylander got everything. He got his bag, and he got every perk to go with it. Yeah, and that's what happens when you have a career season, one of the best seasons in the National Hockey League this year, and think, you're going to be UFA. Back-to-back career seasons. Back-to-back career, yes, back-to-back yeah. career seasons. But also the number, the year he's having this year is one of the better seasons of any player in the league. Yes. Like he's, he's Fifth having, in NHL scoring. Having you know a top five, ten player in the league type of season. And when you're playing that way and you're about to be UFA, you can essentially name your price. And if you're not signing in Toronto and they're not giving you everything yeah. you just got, you're going elsewhere. You're not getting seven years, but you're getting maybe you're not getting eight years, you're getting seven maybe, but maybe you're getting twelve, twelve and a half, maybe thirteen in free agency because people can give you whatever they want. So when that's the type of situation you're facing in terms of a player who's as important as he is to you, you really have no choice. You yeah. know, like we can sit here and make fun of it and we can joke around about, you know, Trey Living and the Leafs and all that. And, you know, I mentioned on Twitter that I'm not surprised that Trey Living handed out this contract. He's never been afraid of signing star players. You saw it with Huberto last year. Yes. Organizationally, they wanted to keep Nylander, obviously. So I'm, I wasn't surprised at all that they decided to spend this much money. The question is, is Nylander going to make sure that he's going to be worth it over eight years. That's always the big question mark. Uh, can you maintain it for more than half of the contract? I, I think most people expect your play to start to dip once you get to 34, 35, 36. Yeah. But can you still be a great player for five years of that deal? And 
You know, nobody expected the cap to be stagnant for as long as it has been because a pandemic came out of nowhere. But we are entering a situation where the the cap is expected to progressively go up over the next couple of years. So that should, you know, decrease the percentage of the cap that this deal is under. I think we're going to start seeing a lot more double-digit type of average annual values across the league. This is the highest the salary cap's ever been. Yeah. So when you look at the number, you're like, well, 11.5 million. But in terms of percentages of the cap, it's 13% of the cap. Yeah. And some of the contracts for players in a similar situation got like 13.9, 14% of the cap. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it really wasn't record-setting. But as the cap goes up, this is what it's going to look like. When you Sticker start... shock for a lot of these new contracts. Exactly, because the cap's are the highest it's ever been. It's going to keep going up. It might skyrocket in a few years. I know there is some concern about will the cap keep going up, and maybe we can talk about this more later. But given inflation alone, given the um, inclusion of sports betting and how big that is, yeah. and for all the questions about TV money, and maybe Rogers won't sign a 12-year deal again, but there's no way the NHL is getting less per year than they they got on the last TV deal. No. Every time it goes up. It's going to go up to some degree. Maybe it's going to be a shorter-term deal, but per year, that number is going to inflate. So the numbers are going up no matter what in a few years. So you have to be careful how you view this. You can't view $11.5 million the same way today as you viewed it three years ago, four years ago. So I think... Um... You know, there's a couple of things I'm, I'm thinking about here. It's it's very similar to how the Bo Horvat negotiation sort of went. The Canucks uh, went into that summer as Bo Horvat was a year away from unrestricted free agency and said, okay, here's what we think you're worth. And uh, Bo was like, no, I think I'm worth this. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we'll go into the season and, and see where we're at. And, you know, Bo comes out house on fire scoring all these goals and is looking like a 40 goal scorer and he's looking more like the number that he thought he was worth yeah and instead of the Canucks coming up to that number they said this isn't going to work out here we're going to move you on and in this case both parties met in the summer here's where we think the number's at we think you're closer to nine million Willie I think I'm around 11 and a half 12 even and Okay, we'll go into the season, see where it goes. William Nylander, top five player in the league. You know what? I think we're going to sign this contract. (laughs) You're going to get everything. So it it really comes down to the team, like how willing they are to bet on that player. And clearly the Leafs very willing to bet on William Nylander here. And why not? I mean, he's, he is a fantastic player. As much as I do get a little bit squeamish looking at this, it's, it's more so because like, if I'm looking at this from the Leafs perspective, we've been beating down the door of this same situation for as long as we have and nothing's changing at the top of our lineup and we're continuing to go with it they're gonna have the conversation with Tavares and Marner next year we'll see where it goes ultimately the Canucks view of this is what does it mean for Elias Pettersson and when I think of it from Pettersson's perspective he's probably pretty happy him and his camp are probably pretty happy with this number because they're thinking we're probably worth more than William Nylander. But it's still a conversation of, as Elliot Friedman mentioned today, and what we've talked about with Pedersen, it's when he's actually ready to talk contract with the Vancouver Canucks more than anything else. Yeah, and it's and it's clear he's not ready yet. You know, and we mentioned this the other day. It really seems like when he mentioned, uh, I want to wait till after the season, he really meant, I want to wait until after the season. That's kind of the, the sense 
that we're getting again yeah. after everything kind of got, went on with, with stuff getting out about the Canucks meeting with Pedersen and apparently him not loving um, that that got out. The Canucks also not loving that that got out. Not that it was a negative meeting or anything, but it's very clear that that player is still focused on just what's going on on the ice right now. And until that changes, there's really not much you can do except for look at the comparables. And even though Nylander's not a direct comp, if Pedersen wants to sign an eight-year contract, he has a case to get more than Nylander. Yeah. Whether you agree with that or not, that's just the way it works. The question with Pedersen, I think, ultimately comes down to, will he sign for longer term or shorter term? And for the longest time, you know, about a year ago, I, I always thought it would be term because you throw 80, 90, 100 million at a player, they have a hard time saying no. Yeah. You know, just too much money at some point. It seems like that's not the motivation here for Pedersen. Like for Pedersen, it doesn't seem like, hey, give me what I want money-wise is the motivation. Because if that was the case, you would have been talking right now. Yeah. it's It's got to be more than that. If it's about the winning, if it's about seeing the long-term plan, uh, waiting to see more cap projections for future years and how that's going to sort of shift negotiations as to what a contract may look like. Again, with the guise of how this... William Nylander conversation went, he got the term, he got the total money, he got the no-move clause, fantastic bonus structure, he got everything he wanted. Austin Matthews got everything he wanted. Highest paid player in the league, didn't have to sign long-term either. Only went four years on his most recent contract. So, Elias Pettersson still may very well get $11.5, 12000000 on the average annual value and only have to sign three or four years if that's what he wants. Because guess what? We're entering... This era of the star player gets whatever they want. Teams realize if a guy gets near unrestricted free agency, they have no leverage and they know it. The price is going to be the price. If Pedersen wants $12 million a year at four years or three years, guess what? Pedersen can probably get $12 million a year on, on a four-year deal, which would be, what, $48 million total money? Like, that's... That's just the way this league is trending right now, Sad. We're going to get to a point, too, and you're right. Like, Are we at a point where every, on every team, every star player now looks at it and says, sure, I'll take a little bit less, but I'm talking about 100K less, yeah, 200K less. But I'm not taking a million or two million less. Like That's no. just not happening. you know. And if that's going to be the case, then the quote-unquote thing people say is like, well, if you want to play on a contending team, you're going to have to sacrifice. Well, the sacrifices are not going to be the same anymore. That, that, that's what happened in Toronto with Austin Matthews. I mean, Matthews may look at it and say, hey, I took a little bit less. But when you you taking less is still $12 million plus, yeah. it's hard to make that argument for the other guys. So Nylander's like, yeah, why would I take 10? Yeah. If I can get 11 and a half, 12, why would I take 10? I mean, it's not like Austin Matthews took this huge pay cut. Now, he probably views it as I could have made more, 500 more, maybe even a million more or whatever. But he's still signing for such a big number, right? Yeah. So when all these star guys are getting to that stage then it's just the cost of doing business. It all comes down to, is a player going to be worth it? Yeah. And the other part of it is, when you're spending that much money of your cap on your top-end players, how are you building the rest out? And you have, you have to... It really puts the pressure on the general manager to be able to find and extract value elsewhere in the, in the lineup. But I think of it... If you look at other sports, Sat, um, in the NBA... I think there's like 20 players making over 40 million in the league. Now that includes a list of like Zach Levine. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, guys in the NBA, they don't care. It's like, I'm the best player on the team. I want a max contract. Yeah, you get the max. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I, if I'm the best player on the team, I want the max deal. And in the NHL, it's been very different. Obviously, larger rosters, so there's more conversations. But you look at these players. Would um, would Connor McDavid be worth the max against the salary cap, which is what, 20%? Of course he would. Would Austin Matthews be worth that? Of course he would. Would Nathan McKinnon be worth that? Of course he would. <laughs> they, none of them took that, but they would all be worth 20% of the cap should they have chosen to really negotiate for that. To this point in the National Hockey League, that hasn't really happened. Will we ever get there? I'm not sure. But it's also like the highest paid player in the league. For a long time, it was Connor McDavid. Now it's been Nathan McKinnon for this year just a hair above McDavid. Matthews is going to be the highest paid player next year. I wonder if we're entering an era where, you know, just the next star player that's up for a big contract is going to be the highest paid player in the NHL, sort of like the NFL where for a time, Joe Flacco was the highest paid player in the national football league. Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Eli Manning, like, Guys that are quite clearly not the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, but they were the one that was up for a contract at that time, so they became the highest-paid player in the league. I I do wonder if we're ever going to get there with the NHL. So there was actually a time where the NHL NHL teams gave up 20% of the cap. It was when when the salary cap first came in. Remember Scott Gomez? Yeah. They they got $8 million per year, which was about 20% of the cap. Yeah. The cap was thirty nine forty four million. I think officially Brad Richards is the only player to sign twenty percent of the cap. The the, the yeah. exact number was, and yeah. Yarmer Yager because he was grandfathered in. Yeah, had eleven million was also twenty percent of the cap. Yeah, um, the cap was thirty nine million, so eight million would have been twenty percent even then. Yeah, and it was one of those things. You're right, where the number was lower because you know the salary cap was lower, so the number was you know eight million nine million at the absolute peak of it. But, but players have been reluctant as the numbers really gone up to mm-hmm. take significantly more. McDavid was the guy. McDavid was a guy who could have changed it, and he decided not to. Even still, McDavid at his $12.5 million, uh, the contract that he signed way back when now, um, that was 16.7% of the cap. That is still, even compared to McKinnon's contract, it's almost... Uh, one and a half more than what McKinnon signed for this year. But if the best player on the planet doesn't take the max when he could have taken the max, it's it, hard for anybody else to negotiate taking the max. It depresses everything, right? So there's going to have to be somebody some, somehow, some way. And I think the way it happens is a star player hitting free agency. Yeah. And that's maybe what some of these guys are angling for. Now, what is what are Pedersen's desires? We don't know, right? Is it truly being on a winner? Maybe. Is it maybe being somewhere different? where he wants to play who knows like we don't we don't know these things except for he says he wants to be on a winner that's what we know but in terms of his true motivations what is he feeling today what's going through his mind none of us really know we don't know what decision he's going to make whether it's Pedersen or somebody else Kaprizov is a free agent in two years if one of those guys who we look at and say this guy can be a top five top six player in the league does somebody throw 20 percent at them and if that happens the whole world changes in the National Hockey League is anybody ever getting there though Like the most recent true star player to get to free agency was, I guess, Panarin. Yeah. But even him, like he was good. Did anyone consider him the top five player in the league? 
Probably not top six, seven player in the league. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't quite think so with uh, with Artemi Panarin, and you know he signed eleven point six million and is still the highest paid winger in the league, though. Right? Would we say that Artemi Panarin is the best winger in the league? I mean, sure, it's I guess up for debate. He's really good. I don't know if I'd say he is the number one winger in the league, but he got 14.3% of the cap on a seven-year deal yeah. with the New York Rangers in free agency. And the Rangers pretty much knew there was nobody else. It was either them or maybe the Florida Panthers that wa- like where Panarin wanted to go. Mm-hmm. He had two choices. Like he, he had two wants. Yeah. I want New York. I want Florida. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it ended up being the Rangers that, that gave him the bag. So you're right. And that's what puts the pressure on even more is – Nylander gets is having the season that he's having, gets us this close to free agency. You have no leverage. You want to keep that player, you've got to give them whatever they're asking for. Yeah, you do. And the other thing is, in terms of maximizing the asset, the best time to do so would be now. Yeah. Like if Pedersen wasn't going to sign and he told the organization, they probably have to move him by the dead- deadline. Either you do view it that way or you say, you know what, like let's just go all in on this here. And then we'll figure out a new plan and a new future in the offseason, which you could, considering how good the team is playing, you could make that assessment. Not to say you're not trading him, but you're saying, let's just get through this year. Who knows? Maybe we go far. Maybe it changes people's views of things. Well, could or you not still get a pretty good trade? I mean, we saw the Dubois trade still work out pretty well for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I just, you could. I mean, you could. I just don't know if you have enough runway to integrate that many big pieces yeah and then be able to have the success you want to have i mean that the dubois trade happened in the off season and you've had training camp you've had the season i mean it took them i mean winnipeg has been pretty good to start off with but now you're seeing all those pieces come together and the team really take off right do you have enough runway to be able to make that type of trade and then to take advantage of this year again like you can make the point right my point being in terms of overall asset value now would be the most valuable that you have for him. It depends on how you view it. But if he wants to stay, then you don't even entertain it. It's just one of those things that we just don't know enough yet. Now, I will say... The longer it goes on, the more doubt creeps in, though. True. I would would think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural. At least from my perspective, my personal opinion, the the longer it goes on, the more doubt creeps in that this player actually wants to be a Vancouver Canuck. All fair. Until he signs. Yeah. Now... Considering he came out before the season and said, I want to wait until the end of the year. Yeah. Well, he started, like, he sat down with Elliot Friedman and said, Hey, I, I want to focus on playing hockey. I don't want to worry about a contract. Right. What if nothing's changed in that regard? Our reporting has changed because yeah. we've heard about meetings, we've heard about desires to get things done, and we've heard about perhaps offers or uh, frameworks being thrown out. And nothing's happened through it, but nothing's changed in terms of like, what was the player's position before the season? I want to wait. Right? Yep. And we're, and we're talking, our job is to talk about it, but like, it's been us talking about it, right? It's been the reporting that's happened about it. It's been fans talking about it. It's been fans asking questions. And there has there's been some talk about what's going to happen. And I'm not sure if I would go as far as saying we whipped ourselves into a frenzy or anything, but I would be careful in terms of, saying I feel more doubtful today than I did before the season because nothing's really changed in terms of what the players said before the season and where we stand today it's uh it's hard to say that it has changed much at all yeah (laughs) other than uh you know some other contracts have been signed so maybe you're getting a little bit more intel on 
where the comparable will end up. Yeah, and let's say that I think what we had thought to ourselves was, well, the team has to play well. He said he wants to be on a winner. The team is playing well, so does that change your mind? Yeah. And apparently not. Not yet, at least. Not enough yet. Not enough yet. It's it's tough because when things have gone as well as they have, you know, this is the thing that is standing in the way of believing in the Canucks beyond this year fully, you know, because it's like, well, we still have this like uncertainty of what's happening with with our star guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so you're talking about a window that's dependent on this player being here and that player may pull the Matthew Kachuk, Pierre-Luc Dubois and say, you know what? I don't know if I want to stay beyond uh, beyond this next year. So yes, but what business is it holding up, if if any? Like, what type of trade would this be holding up? Do you think? Because for me, like when I think about it, I'm like, okay, yeah. if you have an, a chance to go out and get a core player who's in his say mid twenties, you're doing that no matter what, right? Are you actually thinking about? If you're thinking about, hey, let's take advantage of this year, well, then you're looking at perhaps rentals. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking at rentals, then you're looking at this year anyways, right? So how's that change your plan? And and I'm sure there's some scenario, right? Maybe there's a scenario you can think of or somebody can think of, and I'm sure there are those. I'm just not sure it's compelling enough, one, where I'm concerned about the team not being able to do business. Yeah. Like what type of trade would it truly be holding up? Maybe... uh... It might disguise how you how aggressive you want to be this year. Yeah. Like, if you know Pedersen wants out in the summer... You want to be even more aggressive, You might maybe. be more aggressive okay, fair, on fair. this season, being like, well, I don't know how much longer our window is going to last beyond this year. Right. Because of that uncertainty with Elias Pedersen. Now, this is all speculation. That's we don't fair. necessarily know that. Right. But it's... That's the kind of thing... And, and Jim Rutherford admitted it to us. Like, yeah, it does sort of affect how we try to plan things out, but ultimately what's most important is just getting Pedersen done. Yeah. That's that's really what the team wants. They've made that very clear. It's still up to Pedersen when he wants it to get done. But could it hold up a lot of business for this season? I'm not sure. Might it... Like, they haven't gone in on chronic extension uh, discussions for, yeah. for what we know and about the situation to this point. And would it hold that up to some extent? I, I would imagine that you're probably saying we need to figure out Pedersen before we figure out what we're going to do with Philip Ronick. Yeah, it keeps that guy in a holding pattern, yeah. which is fair. But in terms of like improving the hockey team today and long term, it doesn't change too much, right? Like, so I agree. I'm just not compelled enough to worry about that being a problem right now. Uh, KJ with this uh, question: How did it become a thing that because a player signed shorter term? that meant the average annual value was going to be lower. Um, so for the Pedersen example, um, and even uh, you know, Brock Besser to a certain extent when he signed, when they signed their respective bridge deals, it was their second contract. And you're, the three years that you're eating up in that deal are years where the player is under team control. You're not buying out unrestricted free agent seasons. They might be arbitration eligible, but... Essentially, when your rights belong to a team, your your ceiling is limited on the salary that you can make. And yeah. that's why generally those shorter term deals end up being lower on the average annual value. But if you get later into your career and those short term deals are still eating up unrestricted free agent years, there's nothing that should really warrant 
the number being lower because it's a uh, it's a shorter term deal. Yeah, it's, it's I mean it's the UFA years ultimately that factor yeah. into it more than anything else. And the fact that Pedersen only has one RFA year is why even a you know three year contract the AAV would still be high. Yeah. And even his qualifying offer is what ten ten and a quarter. So I think it's slightly less because of how they calculated. But he's getting paid ten point five million in cash this season. Yeah. So his qualifying offer would be over ten million dollars, and essentially that means he's worth ten million dollars next year at the minimum. And, and just look at it from like he's getting paid ten point five million in cash. There's no way he's going to want less cash next season. He yeah. he's not signing a contract where he's making less cash next year than he is this season. And uh, another a couple of comments on you know Vancouver high cost of living and, and these sorts of things, taxes and and all that. Um, you look at the the Nylander contract, 30% of it is being paid in the first two years. A lot of that money is going to be paid in signing bonus. If you ha- Let's say you have a uh, residence in a non-income tax state like uh, Nevada or even Washington, and you're at that residence on July 1st when your signing bonus gets paid, you don't have to pay income tax on whatever that signing bonus is. Mm-hmm. So that's how some players get around the whole taxation part of it in Canada. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. This is Canuck Central. Uh, cool thing for us this week, we're uh, giving away a couple of pairs of tickets, actually a pair of tickets each day for the next few days uh, to Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada and a live recording of 32 Thoughts. So Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada is taking place January 17th to the 20th in Victoria, BC. 32 Thoughts will be recording a live show at Wicket Hall in downtown Victoria on Thursday, January the 18th. The show starts at 2 p.m. and guests expected to join Jeff and Elliot include Kevin Bieksa and Brian Burke and other NHL alumni. Plus, the Stanley Cup will be there. The only way to attend to win your is to win your way in and we're giving away tickets all week. You can do so by being the third caller right now here at Sportsnet 650, 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Caller number three, you'll be off to see 32 Thoughts in Victoria. Your next chance to win is tomorrow morning on Halford and & Bruff and also again tomorrow afternoon on Canucks Central. You are listening to Sportsnet 650. Back in on Canuck Central, this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. Let's bring in our next guest. He joins us weekly here on Canuck Central. It's the legend himself. It's Don Taylor, Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Czech TV, and he joins us every monday uh the, the hockey world can't get enough of uh william nylander contract discussions and uh, everybody in vancouver is wondering what it means for elias Pettersson, donnie i guess uh the the discussion sat and i were just having and, and i was sort of alluding to it is you know, do you start to get worried the longer this drags on if Pettersson actually wants to be a vancouver canuck for the future well i do uh, because uh, of the conversation on the boat over in sweden with Elliot Friedman. Yes, the boat conversation. Where, 
the boat conversation, I believe Stockholm, where uh, it was believed afterwards that what Pedersen was saying was, well, the, this team has to get off to a good start. And then that, this is summarizing it in the belief of most people. This team has to get off to a good start. I want to see it in a positive direction. Otherwise, I'm thinking about going somewhere else. I think that was the general feeling. I think I've got that right. And they certainly have gotten off to a good start, a team that's been top five in the overall standings for most of the season, if not all all the season so far, and yet we're not hearing anything. So I think from that point of view, uh, and you know, with what Nylander is getting, I think people would – People are right to be a little bit a little bit concerned because there just seems to be no movement at all. There just seems to be a lot of patience, and that wasn't the case with Nylander if you want to compare those two. And, you know, and, and both guys, I think Nylander was at least publicly more forceful with, with his comments about wanting to be in Toronto. He said he wanted to be in Toronto. He didn't want to go anywhere else. We haven't heard yeah. Pedersen say the same things, of course. Now, he did say on that same uh boat ride that he wanted to wait until after the season so in fairness like he said he wanted to wait till after the season we're midway through the season but I, the thing that i wonder about more than anything is what is his true desire and is he one of those guys that's just wired differently he can get through the season and sits down in the off season and says okay hey, let's talk contract let's get this done or is there actually something else there about him perhaps wanting to go elsewhere and i guess we won't know until the off season at this stage you know what? I I don't know him that well. I don't know if anybody really does outside yeah. of the you know people who are inside that uh, dressing room and whatever close friends you might have in Vancouver. But Sat, you use the phrase "wired differently," and that's certainly the feeling that you get with him. He's not your typical hockey player, personality-wise, um, at all. I'm, I'm not you know knocking what he does on the ice for a second, but it's, he's a hard read. He's he's really hard hard to read, and you know sometimes you get the idea. With, with players like with Trevor Linden, I'm going way back. I do that a lot. He, he just right. He loved it here. He loved it in Vancouver. You know, now maybe Liz Pedersen does, but you could read it on Trevor's face. You and with what he said, you can't with Elias Pedersen. It's 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 a really really tough read. And, and also forget about like you know a Canucks, but just people his age. Um, and again, I'm not knocking young people for a second. I, I, I'm when I was that. I, I want to get things done. Let's go. Let's you know. I want to. I want to feel the love. I want to. I, I want this get to get done as quickly as possible. I don't want it on my mind. And I just. I get the feeling he's just not like that, and that he he's okay waiting as long as as long as possible, thinking it out for a really long, smart amount of time. So it's it's just a really really hard read. Yeah, and it, uh, it it makes you maybe a little bit nervous as to what the offseason is going to look like. But right now, the team is uh, continuing to be on fire. Everybody's healthy, and uh, the lotto line is, is back together. Uh, what would you make of the uh, reunited lotto line on Saturday? Well, you know what I, lo- I loved about it is the move from a Rick Tockett point of view. I think the best head coaches are the ones that do things w- without hurting the team or pissing a lot of people off just to shake things up. It's 82 games, guys. You're traveling, uh, you know, you're dealing with the media, dealing with fans, dealing with teammates, dealing with stories. And, and it can be, it can be a real grind. Rick Tockett has used that word a lot. I always like the coaches who just, you know, do things once in a while within reason to shake things up, 
again, I'm not talking about a bag skate in the middle of January by any means. But, you know, going back to the 649 line, it, it just kind of wakes everybody. It wakes the fans up, the media up. I think it wakes the players up, the coaching staff up. You know, not that these guys aren't motivated by any means, but they're human, and I think you need that during a season. I really like the move. Now, whether it lasts, I, I personally think that oftentimes we make too much of lines, but and so I don't know how long it's going to last. But I like the move just from a hey, let, let's just let's just do something different today, see how it works, and it worked out just fine. And I I really like that from a team psychology point of view. And one thing I also uh, like about seeing this is that it it gives you. We all know that if the Canucks add one more, you know, real play driving forward, another high-end forward, now there'll be a really dangerous team. And, and I think what this shows is it doesn't have to be a winger. It doesn't necessarily have to be a yeah. center. It just has to be a, a, a high-end forward. And when you have the type of versatility you have with Pedersen and JT, another player that comes in here. So I think it gives the team more options or different looks to try to add that high-end player. And we shouldn't get too caught up in, is it a center? Is it a winger? Because they can make it work with these guys. You know, I always talk about how I still I steal things from you guys. I think you stole that from our show today. Oh yeah. We talked about the exact. We talk, we talk. I know you'll watch on a regular basis. We we talked about the exact same thing today because last week we talked we talked about Gensel, a winger, mm. Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's going to be a UFA, and he's going to be the perfect fit. And like I just said, he's from Pittsburgh, Rutherford, and Alvin. We know what they think of of Penguins or ex Penguins. So it just seems like that that would be the guy. And he's a winger, but now. With this, maybe they're thinking, hey, let's try this at least for a while and see if maybe the person we're looking for isn't necessarily a winger. It could be a center. And maybe this speaks to, you know, giving them a few more options. And, and guys, you know, Dan, you talked about the off season. You know, what's going to happen in the off season? What about within this season? Because, you know, are they going to go for this? Because... Look at you guys talked about it earlier. Ronick and Pedersen and Joshua and Myers, Zadorov, Cole, the Smith. Who else is there? Lafferty, Bluger, Besser next year. Is this the season where they go? Hey, we got to do this right now, and and let's just let's experiment and, and see. Do we need a center? Do we need a winger? Because this this group is not going to be together next year, and Lord knows what can happen. And, and forget next off season. I'm wondering. I'm wondering what they're going to do. You know, with the belief that this team is pretty special right now, this group is special, and they can they can do something. It's really really interesting. I mean, every game game the other night with, with the other day was really entertaining, and the the off or probably the off ice stuff is entertaining as well. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty stark contrast from where we were last January with this team, I would say. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's you know, it, it's hard because we came into the year. Oh, they're like they're a bubble playoff team, and maybe they they can uh, fight it out and, and find a way to get top three spot in in the Pacific. And now you're looking at it halfway point of the season. A lot of books out there have them as the favorites to win the the Pacific Division, and if they can manage to get the most points in the Western Conference through the rest of the season, you know, maybe you end up with that second wild card, which may be Minnesota or Seattle or, you know, one of these teams that, that doesn't look like that difficult of an opponent. I can't believe I'm even talking like this, but the point yeah, is nobody really expected this uh, out, of, out of this team this year, Donnie. We expected them to be a lot better, but, but not this. Well, it's, it's the Western conference is great right now. If you want unpredictability, I mean, you go to a movie, you don't want to know the ending, right? 
Um, and that's the way it is. And, and, you know, like I say, maybe this is the year for the Canucks to really go for it. Now, maybe that means standing pat because this group looks like it's, it's pretty special. But I don't know what to expect. I, you know, I mean, you still got Colorado and Vegas there. But who guessed, who guessed Vancouver? Who guessed Winnipeg? Yeah. Nobody. They're yeah. first place overall right now. It's just really unpredictable, and that that speaks to what I just talked about. It's very unpredictable, so why not Vancouver coming out of the West? It just seems like it, it could very well be Paul. And I, I, I almost sound, you know, like you were just talking about, I can't believe what I'm saying. I feel the same way, but it seems possible that the Canucks right now, mid-January or close to mid-January, could come out of the, come out of the West. It's fun. Well, they they certainly can, and the thing that gives you confidence about it too is you see a game like the one against the Devils, and yes, the Devils playing third game of four nights and everything. But every time it looks like this team's about to take a dip, they lose a game, win a game, lose a game. They kind of trade a few, they disappoint us a little bit, then they turn around and put forward one of the better performances of the season, and we saw it against the Devils. And I'm really interested to see how they do against the New York teams as well here. But I just look at it and I'm like, well, this team keeps answering everything for us, and we're at a point now where a guy like no. Juleson comes out of the lineup, Donnie, yeah. and we were sitting here and saying, yeah, that's actually too bad for Noah Juleson, considering how well he's played, and isn't that like a, a testament to the year they've had, where a guy like Noah Juleson's brought himself to a level where him coming out of the lineup almost seems unfair? Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it is a testament to the kind of uh, season they're having and the depth they have. It's also a testament to Noah Juleson and, and Sergey Gonchar and Adam Foote and Rick Tocchin, anybody who's worked with uh, Noah Jolson, he's clearly been better uh, with his coaching staff. I have nothing but respect from, for him because he is like Luke Shen, where he's a high draft pick, or at least a first-round draft pick. And he got to the National Hockey League and realized that, okay, you know, what I did at lower levels, I'll do respect, just as I'm going to cut it here. And he's managed to stick around, you know, and, and collect an NHL paycheck, spend time in the minors as well. I have nothing, nothing uh, but uh, respect for him. Let me get back to what you're talking about with with the Devils for a second. Uh, it was it was a really entertaining game and an impressive performance by the Canucks, and they put the 6:49 the lotto line back together. Uh, that got people buzzing, but a lot of people will say, well, as you just said, they were Devils were playing the third game in four nights. They were without Hughes. Their injury list is piling up. But that's the kind of guy guys you know this. That's the kind of game guys the Canucks would have lost in the past where, mm-hmm. you know, everything's going fairly well and you go into New Jersey, you're expected to win and you just don't come through. This team's different that way. I think there's a lot more character, a lot more resiliency. I, I thought that was, despite what New Jersey's going through, an impressive victory because looking back at history, that's a game the Canucks lose and, and they didn't. I'm curious how they uh, they work the defense now. You know, uh, Rick Tockett mentioned it today uh, after in his morning availability. You know, we might have to uh, put some guys out of the lineup here and there as long as everybody's healthy. We might have to have a little bit of rotation and have guys, you know, buying into the idea that they they might sit out a night or two because Noah Jolson, like he doesn't deserve to come out of the lineup the way that he's played, how good he's been on the PK for this team and in different spots. Zadorov comes back in tonight, but it just, um, it really highlights how well Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford have finally reworked this defense. Sure. You've got Hughes and Hironic who are the two sort of horses on there, but they found guys that are more than capable of doing a job for this team, which they haven't had in some time. Yeah. I don't think Hughes and Hironic will be part of the rotation. 
So yeah. something tells me. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think the interesting thing tonight is, uh, again, you you look back in the past, you read between the lines, and I don't even think you have to read between the lines on this, but Rick Tockett is clearly a fan of lefty-righty defense combinations. He, he said as much. So that's going to be interesting tonight. I believe it's Zadorov with Cole tonight. So Juleson, the right-hander, comes out of the lineup. Cole moves over to the right side. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if you want to experiment against the New York Rangers. Pretty good hockey team, but I think there's some sort of experimentation going on tonight. See how it goes. But again, they've got that pleasant problem, that luxury of having seven defensemen who probably deserve to be in the lineup, but not all of them can can dress any given night. So you see what happens tonight, and maybe Noah Juleson gets back in uh, against the Islanders. But Again, uh, a pleasant problem, but I'll be looking at how uh, Cole does on that uh, right side. I know there's a lot of people out there who say it shouldn't be a big deal at the NHL level, but you, you can ask a, a lot of people. They do think it's a big deal. You're at the National Hockey League level. You should play on either side. And, yes, Bobby Orr played his wrong side, but he was Bobby Orr. It's a big deal to a lot of guys. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about Pew Suter and what we're seeing from him and, and the fact that, you know, we, we saw him with Mikheyev and Kuzmenko look really good and obviously his point productions come along. Is there a chance that there is more with this player than we had thought of before he came here? I remember seeing him with Chicago and Detroit and being really impressed with him back then. I thought, boy, there's... You know, there's there's something. Hey, look. First of all, I'm I'm one of these guys. Uh, I look at unusual numbers, unusual names. You know, he's got an unusual name for a North American person. <laughs> yeah. And so he stuck out to me that way. And then, you know, as you watch him, he's like, wow, he's a, he's he's gifted. And we we've, we've seen that here, and just that versatility where he can move to the wing. And J T. Miller talked about how many how many centers they have because people forget that you know. Uh, Dakota Joshua has played center as well. And Suter is one of those guys that just gives them all sorts of versatility. He can kill penalties. There's a, there's some touch there offensively. Uh, you know, um, I, I think they're 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 impressed. The Canucks are impressed, and I think everybody who watch him can be impressed by by him. There's a, there's a touch there. There's a lot to his game. Donnie, uh, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. We'll talk next week. All right, guys. I spent the weekend in Chilliwack at a minor hockey tournament. And I, I had talked about this on the show today. The gas prices out there are amazing. <laughs> what, what, what's going on in, in Burnaby in Vancouver? It's, it's crazy. You have to give up your first board. It was like 150 out there a liter. It was tremendous. It's, I, I'm, I'm on cloud nine right now. My tank's full. Uh, Don Taylor, Donnie and Dolly, uh, 10 to noon, and also uh, Chilliwack Tourism. Uh, is, uh... Did, you fill up, <laughs> did you fill up some garbage bags with gasoline? Uh, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Donnie. Anytime, guys. Lots of fun. Uh, so with uh, without Josh Elliott Wolf here today, he's doing the post game show tonight. Don Taylor comes in with the uh, the uh, Chilliwack vote of the day, or what makes Chilliwack great? Mention of the day. Yeah, Josh Elliott Wolf has never been prouder than, than this <laughs> moment right now. So I told you the whack is great. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty much how it goes. Uh, so you know, I um, I think this is the thing with with Pedersen right now. Sat, it's you know, of course. You'd like the situation to be done and dusted. If you're a Canucks fan, you want to see number 40 just sign on the dotted line mm-hmm. and say, I'm, I'm ready to do this. Let's get it done. Um, William Nylander was on our uh, brother station, Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan in, in Toronto, and the quote they've uh, just put out, I told Brad for living, this is where I want to win. We got to do this. 
Canucks are waiting on Elias Patterson essentially to say the same thing to Patrick Alvin. Yeah, waiting for that moment. <laughs> waiting for the facts. <laughs> waiting for the facts, the text message, I don't know. Whatever it might be. Email. Do you send that in an email? That would be a weird email. Well, I mean, Cal Duba sent that email to <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, to uh, Brendan Shanahan, didn't he? <laughs> Could we have done this in an email? Is this... Can you break up over an email? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Kyle Dubas tried. Yeah. Essentially. Well, that, I still... That blows my mind. <laughs> uh... Yeah, that was that was a pretty good one. It was fun how we uh, learned that whole story about uh, Kyle Dubas from Kyle Shan uh, from uh, from Shanahan in the in the summer. Not Kyle Shanahan, Brendan Shanahan. Mixing up my Shanahans. Yeah, here. all the Shanahans got you confused. Yeah, uh, a little too much uh, football watching <laughs> over the weekend and uh, watching Jameis Winston completely uh, <laughs> disobey his coach's orders. And blow through the victory motion to score a touchdown at the end of the Saints Falcons game. Yeah, and uh, had Bruce uh, Arthur abs- no, uh, <laughs> Arthur Smith absolutely irate, and he got fired yes, over got- <laughs> two afterwards. But he was irate. Probably more end. upset about the touchdown than he was uh, getting fired because he probably saw that writing on the wall. Um, it was so you know with the with the Canucks and the whole Elias Pettersson thing. It's going to continue over the course of the season. It's not bothering his play, at least uh, more recently. Well, it depends on who you ask. Yes, <laughs> depends on who you ask. The points have been there. And, you know, go figure. You load up your top line. It looks great. They play super well together. What we're going to find out and what we're going to get into more during the pregame show, what does it mean for the rest of the lineup? And how does that continue to progress, especially in tougher matchups, and what was on Saturday, the New York Rangers, especially tonight, tough back-to-back tomorrow. It, it's always felt like Rick Tockett wants to be a guy that spreads the lineup out a little bit more rather than loading up one area of the lineup. Yeah, because he wants to he wants the, the proverbial four-line team, yeah. right? Like he wants to be able to roll four lines and have each line be able to make a difference. And to, and to do that, you need to have talent to spread across four lines. The question sometimes is, is your talent good enough or top and deep enough for you to get away with that. Yeah. And I think the Canucks have shown they can, because look at where they are in the standings. I mean, yes. they, they, it took until game 39 for them to be like, let's try Pedersen with uh, Miller and Besser. And this was coming off a stretch where they have gone 8-2-2 two, and two in their previous 14 games. So it's not like they were you know, really struggling or anything yeah. like that. But over the course of a long season, I don't know if the Canucks have enough to not have to resort at some point of putting their best players on a line. Yeah. And even if you had more talent, you still maybe do that, but it gives you a, a chance to do other things. But I do think it goes back to showing that if this team can add one more player, yeah, whether it's a winger, whether it's a center up front, that's a, on a higher end, it really changes the team. I mean, it changes it from being like, hey, maybe you can contend to you are legitimately a contender. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I do wonder if there was... <laughs> I'm not saying... Rick Tockett knew Travis Green was on the other bench on Saturday when he put the lotto line back together. I'm just saying it's a happy coincidence. You think? Maybe? <laughs> maybe just maybe? It's a happy coincidence. Yeah. Uh, no, we'll get into this more uh, on the pregame show and everything too, but, but I think in terms of trying to figure out what you truly have in your secondary players, this gives you a chance to figure that out too. Yeah. Like, what can you really ask of Suter? What can you really ask of Mikheyev? What can you really ask of Kuzmenko when they're not playing with your top guys and you want them to do more than being a third or a fourth line? Can Kuzmenko drive a top six line? 
offensively can be least. part of it at least yeah. right can Suter hold his own and do that like what kind of option is he for you and I'm not saying they're your long-term or he's your long-term second line but it gives you a chance to kind of see what they look like in that type of a role at the very least Stan Richo Satyar Shah Canuck Central wrapping up for today only the hour program as we've got the pregame show coming up same deal tomorrow when the Canucks have the New York Islanders two o'clock show three o'clock pregame We'll get into it. Canucks and Rangers, heavyweight tilt, coming up on Sportsnet 650.